Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Riccio and Bick Nazar here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. That's how you can become a part of the show if you are listening live. And also to those listening on demand via podcast, we appreciate you. Always subscribe, leave a review. That way you never miss an edition of Canuck Central. Any of our exclusive interviews like Nikita Zadorov, which is coming up in just a few minutes' time. And, of course, every single post-game show with Satyar Shah and, of course, Bick Nazar, who's in for Sat on today's version of Canuck Central. It's a nice toque you got on. Hello. Yes. Uh, I don't know why I decided to wear the toque for the show. <laughs> But it's just a... Tukes indoors, man. They're a choice. I don't know. I, I feel like a pop star yeah. rapper doing like a radio interview and just like wear whatever sunglasses, toque, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's the kind of like uh, laid looks like back... a little cool J. Yeah. Yeah. It's the kind of laid back casual outfit one might wear coming off of their private jet. <laughs> if you were a dragon den? Yes. Um, what a wild day in sports. Bizarre, man. Bizarre. This is, uh, I've made this reference like a thousand times already, but it, it is Marion Gabrick bought a house in Vancouver times a million <laughs> or maybe 600 million, or <laughs> depending 600 million. on, <laughs> depending on who you ask with the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. We've got the mailbag coming up today and yes, it is a Canuck central mailbag and the questions we choose and Ben will ask us today as producer of the show will be mainly Canucks focused, but we at least got, I, I I'm think- going to say 32% of questions about Joe yeah. Hayatani. <laughs> there, there, there was an aggressive amount. It's like, how many do we actually involve into the yes. mailbag? But there was a lot. There was a lot. So uh, it's a little bit of a teaser for the mailbag coming up. We also have Yannick Hansen. Uh, he's going to join us coming up in just a little bit. So a lot to get to. On your Vancouver Canucks, who beat the Minnesota Wilds 2-0 last night at Rogers Arena. And before we get to Zadorov, I am um I'm growing fatigued of Oh, let's go. The constant need to hyperanalyze and overreact to every single game the Canucks play, win or lose. And how we have to rate each win or loss on like the quality of win or loss. <laughs> to some extent, a win is a win and a loss is mm-hmm. a loss. And at the end of 82 games, your record will tell us a lot about who you were and are that season. But my issue with it, though, Bick, is... We know the Canucks aren't a cup contender, and mm-hmm. yet we seem to judge them on that bar, or at least many people who interact with this show and on Twitter, and some that analyze the team, seem to judge them constantly on that bar, even though the team knows that's not their bar yet. We know that they're that's not their bar that their bar just yet. And we constantly grade them on this bar. So what? They didn't blow out the Minnesota Wild last night. So what? They had some very real moments of struggle in that game. Were they on balance better than the Minnesota Wilds over the 60 minutes? For my money, yes. 
because they played better over the final 40, even though Minnesota was better in the opening 20. I can't tell you how to feel about this team, how to judge this team. That is your choice, your prerogative. But I will tell you, it can be very exhausting if you are going to live with every single win and die with every single loss and also die with every single win that isn't quite the Picasso you want it to be. And 14 games straight of 500 hockey, win-loss, 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 that's a part of why we're in this stage right now. But guess what? They are still very much so odds on favorite to finish top three in the Pacific Division. They are still, even though 14 games of 500 hockey, the eighth best points percentage team in the National Hockey League while playing more games than pretty much every other team in that time frame. So there's a lot to like. It tells you this team's going through and probably going to the playoffs. And if this 14-game stretch of 500 hockey is one of their biggest slumps of the season, guess what? That makes you a pretty good hockey team. How philosophical do we want to go with this? Uh-huh. <laughs> because you're, you're right. It's like every game. We got is, a few minutes until Zadorov yeah. joins us. So Every game is not a referendum on your, your preseason takes. And actually, honestly, compare this to what we saw today, just in general, of the Otani stuff. Yeah. Of... There, there, there's the demand to like have the confirmation of everything right now rather than enjoying the journey. Yes. And there's this demand of, okay, every game this confirms that they are bad or they are good. And it's, you're supposed to enjoy the journey of, of your fandom. You're supposed to enjoy the journey of what 82 games is. You're supposed to enjoy the journey of the steps it takes to get to, to the level you want to get to. Now, some of it's been accelerated because, you know, Hughes and Pedersen are better than I think a lot of people were thought. Yep. Just as across the league. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, how long does it take? And suddenly, okay, they're, they're top 10 guys in their position comfortably. And suddenly you're just like, okay, well, they have to go win now. It's like, okay, well, they, they screwed up some things in the past and they have to kind of realign themselves all over again. And there's this constant demand, call, call it 2023 life or whatever it is of, it's got to happen now, or yeah. it, it didn't happen, so you got to do this. And it's it, it's part of the journey. And you're right. It's, I, I like the passion to live and die by the results. Yes. I don't necessarily love the, this is what this result means. Because fans should be attached to every result. That's that's their duty and all this. It is part of being a fan, to a, to a certain extent, yes. yes. You, you live with the... 3-1 game, is is that puck getting held in at the blue line, either yes. in your own zone or in the other zone to try to get the goal, get back, whatever. You, you're supposed to live with it. But every game, you're right, is not, this is what this means into the bigger picture. It is part of, uh, you know, sports in 2023, 2024 will soon be in, where everything is cup or bust. You know, if you're not in a cup contending window, then you may as well be rebuilding. And there's no in-between. Mm-hmm. Well, as Ranger's saying here, um, not when the journey started eight years ago, you've had the rug pulled out from un- under us before. Learning to love again. Yeah. You are learning to love again. Mm-hmm. And you are skeptical because you've believed in teams in the past that maybe didn't end up playing all that well or being all that good. So... I'm not saying that there isn't reasons for why we are where we are, but last night it was a well-contested hockey game. Mm -hmm. And this is 
quite obviously a team that's going through it a little bit right now and managing to tread water. And there's some value in that over the course of an 82-game season. You can't keep going down this road of 500 hockey for another 14 games, let's say. But there is value in being able to stabilize through your less than perfect moments, your less than at your best moments. And for me, that's a lot of what the Canucks have done lately. I was saying yesterday, Kuzmenko's on this you know tough run here where he's yes. not scoring goals. And someone who scored 39 goals and you think, oh, th- this is the thing that's sinking their season. Well, their season's not being sunk. Yeah. As you said, their eighth best point, per- point percentage. We had a lot of texts last night in the postgame show. Outrageous texts about Elias Pettersson. Yeah. People are mad about a 14-game slump. Well, the 14-game slump has not sunk the season. It's He obviously has to be better. No one's saying he doesn't have to be better. But there's also clearly a better player in there. I'm v- very comfortable chalking it up to health, even though the team doesn't want to say anything. Rick Tockett has made he the He doesn't want to use it as an excuse. And look, it, it's, not an excu- it's not an excuse, but we're not using it as an excuse of, of what defines their, their success as a season. I'm using it to frame the conversation about Elias Pettersson. Yeah. But there's going to be a better player. I think I declared yesterday, January 24th. Let's let's revisit the conversation then. Yeah. If, if he's still struggling then, then suddenly it's like a 35, 40-game sample. And you can be a bit worried. But a 14-game sample, you're just like, ah, oh, this is why this guy doesn't – like, really? That, like, that's how cheap your takes are? Yeah. I think you can live with it more right now in this world where he hasn't yet signed his mega contract. But, you know, once you're making more than 11 sheets a year, which is probably where he's going to be next year, then, yeah, 10-game slumps are going to be magnified to an even higher degree, especially if the team isn't able to tread water during those slumps. But we saw McDavid go through it earlier this year. Austin Matthews, if you want to look at some other examples around the league, even Mitch Marner for the Maple Leafs, since we hear so much about them. And much like... Vancouver, they've been able to somehow manage through those moments. And that's a good thing for the Canucks rather than a bad thing. Even if we all understand they've got to start picking it up and playing a little bit bit more consistently as they move forward. We're going to get into a lot more. Yannick Hansen is going to join us, but uh, actually right now we are joined by one half of the Twin Towers on defense for the Vancouver Canucks. It's Nikita Zadorov joining the show. How you doing, Nikita? I'm good, thank you. I'm sure you've uh, you've heard it all. I mean, you played with Myers back in uh, back in Buffalo, but I I feel like we need to give you guys the the nickname of the Twin Towers. Well, I mean, it's your job to give the nickname, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's it's uh, been kind of cool looking at uh, some of the the some of what you bring to the Canucks and now seeing it for a few games, but. I was uh, I was I noticed that you've been in the league. You've clocked in as the uh, fourth speed at over twenty three miles an hour. You can really uh, you can really turn on the Jets when you need to, hey? Well, I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm a pretty good skater. Always been in my life. So, yeah, I mean, when it's there's a chance to go out the park or out the park for sure. Uh, what's it been like uh, here a week in? Uh, again? Yeah, no, I think last game was the best for me. Uh, feeling comfortable. I mean, with all the routine and team and teammates, coaches and everything. So just like my other time to get settled. I think that's a real important thing for me, I think. Yeah, having a, a little bit of a homestand here to, to get yourself 
acclimated a little bit more with the city. I mean, we know how much you you talked about Vancouver being a place you've you've wanted to play, but how's it been uh, getting in and, and settled in a little bit and and starting to know the city a little bit better? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, it's an unbelievable city, and always been enjoying that when I was on the road here. Now, got a chance to leave and play for this team. Uh, just hoping for little bit of weather once in a while, you know, not too much rain, <laughs> but everything else is uh, unreal in this city for sure. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, you got the first atmospheric we- river over the weekend of the of the year, but there'll there'll be a few more. But we've gotten uh, we've gotten some good sunny days. Are your are your teammates showing you some of the the best restaurants around town yet? Oh, I know them all already. So <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> What's it like getting settled in with with, with the new teammates? Because you, you do have a lot of familiarity with with a lot of different players as well, uh, and just that building that relationship when you come into a new team. Yeah, I mean it's still gonna take time. You know, the the most of the guys don't know who I am, the what kind of person I am, what I bring to the team. I mean, uh, same thing on the ice. Like they have to kind of adjust and uh, uh, get used to my place and then get open for me or I get open for them a bit closer. So I think it, it, it definitely takes time to adjust. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, trying my best, you know, into adjusting. I think uh still going to earn some respect from my teammates as well a long way into it. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's been smooth. It's just smooth. I think there a lot of people have been helping around the team organization. So um, I have no complaints. I'm enjoying that for sure. Last night you uh, you joined the rush and you play the the middle drive role on the uh, on the Hoaglander goal. Is is that a read you're making in the moment? H- how do you determine when to go and when not to? Well, I mean it was clear three and two rush, and uh, I saw uh, Hoggy had a puck and kind of played the odds. I mean it was Nosey and Hoggy. I think they they got a little more skill than me to score in those situations so I decided to be decoy there and just to drive the middle pretty much and fortunately got a good screen for the goalie right when uh, uh, Nils was shooting so got a good goal there. Uh, turns out to be the winning goal. When when it comes to, to making reads and, and I guess different tweaks system wise you know we, we, we know a lot that a lot of the systems are similar around the league but there can be different tweaks between teams and, and coaching staffs. Is is that the hardest thing to, to sort of get acclimated to when, when you're joining a new club and don't have a ton of practice time to, to get to know everything? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it was a big difference in the systems in Calgary, I feel like. Uh, defensively was a little bit different. Offensively was different. than uh, 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 the decor was different as well. You know, like it's different individuals. We In Calgary, we did not have a start defenseman and now like there's puck in his hands 80% of the times when he's on the ice so you gotta play a little different uh, same thing with Mizey you just gotta adjust I think it, it, it takes time to adjust understand the timings on the ice so uh, hopefully we're just gonna continue to get better every game does what the coaching staff wants to do defensively here better fit your style I don't know what my style is I mean I, I'm pretty easy coachable so uh I'm trying to do what they tell me to do. <laughs> I mean, it's it's easier for you to tell my style. <laughs> I like to jump on the rush. I like to be physical, man. But I also uh, love lots of responsibility, which we got last game. We, I mean, my zero played against Caprizo flying a lot, so that's a responsibility you got to take, and you're gonna embrace that challenge and shut down the top line. 
uh, it's definitely uh, challenging. So, but uh, it's enjoyable. Has there been any conversation about uh, playing on the right side as well? Because you've done that quite a bit in your career too. No, not really. I, I played last four games with Calgary on my right side, and uh, haven't played seven years before that. <laughs> It took me a little time to figure out in Calgary and remember, but I mean, when there's going to be a few shifts in the game or when you get stuck on the right side or there's a rotation or penalty or something like that, so I'm uh, unwilling to do that. I mean, we're all professionals. It's, definitely, it's harder for the lefty play on the right side because you're never facing the play and then you got to take different outs and different routes on the ice and your timing's in, in your head. You've been doing the same stuff for seven years, and now you go all this side. You have to turn all the way all the time, so it's a little bit different. But uh, I mean, I'm well professional, so I can do I can do both for sure. You mentioned uh, that you like joining up on the rush, and I feel like that's a a, a big uh, big thing in the modern game is uh, getting an extra defenseman in there and uh, trying to to create a numbers advantage on offense. Uh, do, do you feel that way as well? Where the last number of years, couple of years, there's more and more defensemen starting to join the rush. Yeah, I mean, the game gets faster, too. Uh, on the back end, now the guys holding on the puck, they, it's all about puck possession and all zone. Uh, I mean, it's there's different number of the teams who's creating a lot of chances off the rush in the league. Uh, I mean, it's, there's a lot of teams who play super defensively, so they don't give up too many chances on the rush, or on rushes. So I think it depends what team you play, for sure. I feel like it's more common in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference, a little bit more tighter, more more defensive play, and then less openings in those uh, uh, particular situations. But I feel like our goal in this team, we had a few odd uh, men Russians last game, and then we capitalized on them. I think that's when we play fast, when we play predictable to each other, that we're going to create those odd men Russians for sure, because they, we're going to get, going to cut the teams who play super aggressive on the forecheck and then in all zone. What are your first impressions of getting to work with uh, Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foote? Yeah, I mean, they've been great. They've been great so far. They've been helping me a lot. Sergey, obviously, is, uh, like I said before, a super intelligent person. He understands the game really well. He's been in the league for, uh, I don't know, 20 years, close to 20 years. So he's definitely have so much experience to give it to me and the tips. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's been great so far. Adam, I know him from Colorado years. He's uh he uh, was unbelievable defense, and when he played to Stanley Cup, so for sure, it's there's there's a lot to learn from those two guys. I feel like Sergey Gonchar should be in the Hall of Fame already. Do you agree? I agree. I mean, he's one of the best Russian D-men. I think it's him, Zubov, and uh, um, yeah, that's it. Maybe Markov you throw in there, but still, like him and Zubov, it's a different uh, different level compared to any other Russian D-men. We know, uh, you know, this year uh, was, uh, was a tough start to, to to the year in Calgary for for the team, and um, you know, you were critical of yourself and, and teammates at different points. I, I wonder how um, you know how much a part of that is building a team is holding yourself and teammates accountable as you're going through some tough times. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a pretty emotional person and. Whatever I do, I'm investing 100%. So it's uh, it, it comes from my heart. All this stuff, maybe I said in the media in the past, it's it's just it just comes from my heart. You know, I care I care a lot what I do. I care a lot for the team I play. I care a lot for my teammates I play. And uh, I mean, I didn't really want to call anybody out or 
neat or bad example. It was just a moment we were at at that point of the time, you know, like everybody hates losing and I hate losing the most. So, uh, I mean, you, you probably should not look at it like it was something pretty crazy going on. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it just me. I mean, I would, I'm pretty sure that if you probably ask the teammates who play with me, they sometimes they shock what I'm saying, but they understand where it comes from. It comes from my heart and uh, just a pretty straightforward person. Yeah, not going not gonna to hold my words. Is that something just, just overall that you feel is important in a locker room? Well, I mean, honestly, it's important in your life. I think if, if you're honest to yourself, you're honest to your close people. Um, I mean, sometimes you you want to hear the truth, even if it's a, what you want to hear, right? But uh, uh, I mean, at, at that point, we were we were playing bad, and uh, the, the some things did not weren't working for us. So it was just trying to like kind of spark the team or something like that. Uh, what worked so well for for you goal scoring last year? You scored fourteen. Uh, what what finally clicked for you last year? Well, I mean, my teammates were making great plays. Uh, like you said, we were a really good rush team last year. So I scored a few goals in the rush. It was a lot of ozone time. We had, a, I think, really good possession numbers as well last year. So I think when you play in the ozone most of the time most of the game and uh, you create those chances, you can capitalize on them. I mean, they have a pretty good shot, you know, just get a, couldn't, couldn't really pick the spots this year. You know, sometimes it just goes your way one year, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's pretty anomaly scoring 42 goals in a year as the defensive, def- well, two way, I'm, I'm considering myself two way defensive, but still 14 goals with no power plays. It's pretty tough to do in the league. So, um, Hopefully, I might have one of those years again in my career, but it's it's going to, you know. Well, well, fans have already noticed your physical play and, and, and a hard shot. And earlier this year, there was a, a shot from Philip Ronick that went 101 miles an hour. So maybe you guys got to to uh, break out the uh, sh- shot clocks and see who can get the highest uh, speed on it. It's impressive, too. He doesn't use the tape on his stick. It's like a sandpaper tape, so, which, is, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. He can shoot the pike like that. No, I'm not, my shot is not even close to that. Well, at least lob shots. Wrist shots probably have a little harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, Nikita, we, uh, we really appreciate you making uh, some time for us, and uh, all the best as you uh, continue to get acclimated here in Vancouver. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. There is uh, Nikita Zadorov of your Vancouver Canucks joining us uh, here on Canuck Central. Uh, this from Dusty. Zaddy is well-spoken. He is pretty well-spoken. And uh, went into a little bit of detail on some different things. Surprising that he thinks his, uh, I guess, snapshot is is stronger than his slap some, shot. Something to keep an eye on. Uh, we'll uh, see when he's uh, able to get that off a little bit more Very often. honest, though. Yeah. Very honest. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll we'll dissect that a little bit more. Also, Yannick Hansen is going to join us uh, next. We'll have another former Canuck joining us here on Canuck Central. It's Yannick Hansen on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back in on Canuck Central, it's Dan Richo and Vic Nazar. Vic in for Sat today. On this uh, 
the no news Shohei Otani day. Just speculation. Strictly speculation. This is the most we've ever talked about baseball during hockey season. (laughs) I will say that. Like, if you're Major League Baseball and you've seen this kind of, like, uptick in excitement around one player potentially going to the Blue Jays. No longer tracking... Launch angles and yes. exit velos. No. We're tracking planes. Yes, we're tracking flight aware. <laughs> Who is it? Well, wasn't Shohei on? I've that done plane. it during NHL free agency. Oh, really? Um, See which guys are going where. But I haven't like tweeted out. No. Well, this plane is going here. <laughs> I'll just just be aware. Yes. And just, uh, yeah. just be curious about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's get back in on your Vancouver Canucks uh, with. Our Friday hockey analyst, it's Yannick Hansen. He is brought to you by Magnuson Auto Group, Metro Ford, Port Coquitlam, and Magnuson Ford in Abbotsford on both sides of the Fraser to serve you. Uh, welcome to the show, Yannick. Thanks for doing this as always. Yeah, it's my pleasure. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're, we're doing well. Um, I, um, I guess I ranted a little bit according to uh, the text message inbox off the, the start of the show just on how we – overanalyze I guess and hyperanalyze every single game win or lose for Vancouver and and judge each win and loss on like a quality meter like last night's win two nothing but well they they just skirted by they didn't play all that well in the first period there's there's always got to be some kind of a qualifier but I, I would imagine for players it's and and coaches it's yeah okay we didn't do everything well but hey we still got the win yeah, that's Vancouver media for you right there. Yes. Uh, I've been on the other side of that coin, too. know exactly what it feels like when uh, you're winning, but uh, still not good enough. Um, yeah, as a player and on a team, um, you want to get the two points and move on. There's no question about that. Uh, overall picture, you're also looking at trend. How is your team playing? How is your players performing and stuff like that? Um but nitty-gritty, you, you want the two points. The two points is going to put you in a better position than they were when the puck had dropped uh, two and a half hours ago. Um, then comes after the game, the you break the game down, uh, you start analyzing what went right and what went wrong, and then you start to get a little bit critical uh, on yourself, on your team. Um, that being said, it, it is... It's very, very hard to play 82 games perfect. That was impossible, but but good games as well. Um, and I'm not even saying they played bad last night. It just wasn't as entertaining as it was the, the game before against Jersey. Um, but but uh, in a textbook kind of game, that that's how you kind of want to go. They didn't get out to, to the greatest start. They were outshot pretty heavily. Um, found a way to hang in there. DeSmith obviously played uh, fantastic. You love to see that from the backup goaltender. Um, And then they found a goal. And from Huglana's goal, from there on, it felt like they were in charge of the game. It felt like they came back to to even the shot clock. They started creating more. They had numerous opportunities. I'm not saying many didn't have any either, but breakaways, two-on-ones, and all these things to, to really put the game away. But it didn't happen yesterday. So how many games can go by where it's, you know, yes, you're getting wins, but you're, you're not necessarily, you know, looking at the performance where you're like, all right, we can be better. At what point do you start getting worried about that? We're looking at the performance right now because for about a month they've been playing 500 hockey, um, and, and that's not good enough. Um, where they've been lucky, fortunate, uh, good, I, I don't know the right uh, terminology of that, is they've won the right game. You, games, you beat Calgary, you beat Nashville, you beat Minnesota, 
you beat all these teams and then you lose to Vegas, you lose to Colorado, you lose to, uh, to New Jersey teams that aren't really the ones you're fighting with. So you're winning all the important games um, against bubble teams, the teams we were kind of anticipating you had to beat in order to get into the playoff. Um, and then you're losing the other ones, but, but it's, it's that consistency that, that we're looking for here. Let, let's string some wins together. Let's win a statement game um, to, to really put us over the top. Right now, people are talking about Vancouver as a serious team in the league and um, not a bubble right now. Um, but, but again, in order to stay in that conversation, uh, you need to start stringing some wins together and not just play 500 hockey as you had for the last month now. Well, it just feels... Um... You know, there, there are unrealistic expectations, and, and I think some of that is not watching, you know, even every game of some of the best teams in the league. Like, reality is, it's it's not possible to be great and have your fastball for all 82 games of a regular season. No, no, you can't. Um, but that's where a good team will separate themselves, and they will find a, win, a way to win majority of these games where they're, they're coin flips or guys aren't feeling well, we're injured a little bit, uh, we're on the road, it's back-to-back. Uh, those teams still find a way to uh, to string two, three, four together and then we lose one um, or another. But then we're still playing this six, 700 kind of hockey and we're separating ourselves. We're, we're creating some distance. We're getting home ice uh, advantage within our our scope and stuff like that. So that that's where Vancouver is kind of stuck right now. Um, we're not talking about them as a fire sale like we have been in the past. No, it's like, how do we get over the top now? So the conversation has changed and it, it, it's positive. Um, but, but that being said, 500 hockey is not good enough either for this team anymore. Um, they, they have to find a way to get that consistency back in. They have to find a way to, to win some of these games that, uh, uh, again, statements game. I would have loved to, for them to have won this jersey game. I know it's uh, out of division, out of conference, mean nothing. But, but again, it's a game where uh, there was something to it. The Hughes brothers are all in town, and it's it, it was kind of a big deal. You need to find a way to win that game. Um, we go back to Vegas and Colorado. These are two of the teams that are at the top of the Western Conference. But let's find a way to. We might not be playing our best game right now, but we can push that button and we can turn it on when we need to. And, and we needed, we needed to do that there and they didn't. And that's, what's a little bit, uh, have them a little bit hesitant as to how much we're, we're, we're liking where they're trending right now, because they've proven they can play very well. They've also proven they can't play really that well as well, but I love to see them being able to hit this button. And when we need our best game, we can put it out. Can do eight, two games. Don't get me wrong, but when we need it, we we can get it out, and that's kind of what we're looking at, or what I'm looking for right now from them. It feels like uh, coaches is, is trying to get that out of them, and we've seen them be a little bit more critical of the team in the last uh, week, ten days, especially after the the New Jersey game, where you know when when they don't play to their identity, when they let some of their bad habits from years past creep in, and they start playing that run and gun hockey that we got accustomed to here in Vancouver. Like Rick Tockett knows that's that's not going to like that's not a, an identity that this team can win with. It's it has to be more like what we saw in the second and third period last night, and that's like when they play like that, they've got a higher floor. It's easier to 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 keep yourself in games when you're playing like that. Yeah, much easier, and and they have great goaltending, and they have those uh, those players who can 
when it is okay we just need one or two tonight we can get it done or a third one um but but again asking asking your forward to go out and score three or four or five goals every single night that you can't do that um and it is easier to it is easier to 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 bog it down and defend a little bit uh, and yeah it, it's not as entertainment and people probably weren't sitting at the end of their seat against many like they were against jersey but but again um We've seen a lot of that uh, high offense, uh, entertaining hockey here over the past couple of years, but but it's it's led to nowhere other than floated um, contracts and, and and not no no success uh, team wise. Is it because of the goaltending um, that you know there's always this trepidation of okay maybe this isn't real because you know, and and you you reference you know the, the star players. Um, it's it's Miller who does it. It's Hughes who does it, and it's the goaltending that's won it. Whereas you look at some other teams, like last night L.A. It's Byfield who's who's you know part of the the reason they win that game. Kopitar. It's it's Kevin Fiala. Trevor Moore's having this great year, and and we don't recognize the goaltending with with L.A. as much or some of the other teams. It's it's a total team effort. Is it because we we, we focus so much on the goaltending winning them games here that we we kind of live and die by the results? I, I think it's the same in every city. Um, you, you're, all, you're always more critical or you're more aware of your own team because you watch them so thoroughly. If you start breaking down the other teams, you'll see, you'll see the same story repeating. They're, they're, they're looking for the same things from their team to go right, um, with the exception of, of a couple of teams right at the, the, the upper echelons. Otherwise, it's the same thing that needs to go right for a lot of teams. We need these young guys to come in and, and produce by field. We need our stars. We need Kopitar. We, we need Doughty to play well. And we, we, we need our supporting cast uh, more, Fiala to, to, to produce as well in order for, for things to go well for us. So a, it, it is the same story. It's just under a magnifying glass in the city that you represent or play in, if you will. Um, a, a, again, it was kind of teed up to us already at the beginning of this year from Jim. Like everything needs to be perfect for us to be a playoff team. I was like, okay, with, with that sense, and I mean, Demko need to be a borderline Vesna. He has been. Um, Petey needs to be at top of the league in, in scoring. Miller, um, the same thing. Quinn Hughes needs to be lights out. All of those things have gone gone right and are almost perfect for them. And, and that's that is why you're sitting where you are right now. Those guys took an extra step. Um, and that extra step is probably enough to push them into a playoff. Now, do we want success in the playoff? Then we need Kerglander. We need Connor Garland. You need um, Susie, Cole, and Myers to, to step up their game and, and, and up it a little bit as well. Because when push comes to shove, uh, the margins are, are so small that, that you cannot be doing this with just a handful of guys. You need the supporting cast. You need the depth. Uh, you need your backup goaltender in order to get the job done on a consistent basis when uh, when the month starts uh, showing March, April, and May. Yannick Hansen, our guest. Uh, what do you make of how uh, Rick Tockett is, is handling Andre Kuzmenko right now? Yeah, it, it is a tough one right now. Um, I wish for, for a second that uh, people here in Vancouver could, could get a sniff of how it would be in a U.S. city because we wouldn't be talking about him. Uh, we'd be talking about Besser or Quinn Hughes and all these guys, but but here, the team is doing really well, and and we zone in on we zone in on Kuzmenko's not having a good year this year, even though the team is um, it's tough because he was his numbers were so good last year, but they were so good like his shooting percentage was above twenty percent. Um, that that that's unsustainable. Like you shouldn't even be able to do it for one season, let alone repeating it. 
Um, obviously, it's regressed even more than you can anticipate it. Um, the, the, the game or, or Vancouver style shifted a little bit too when it went from Bruce to, to Rick. So then the numbers probably started regressing a little bit before as well. Um, but, but yeah, it's it, it's always the worries with the the Russians. Like you know, in the back of your head, they they have an out that nobody else have. That if they if they sour or or they get upset with their management, how they're handled, they 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 can bolt. I'm not saying he's that type of player, but but they have that opportunity. Um, so you're always a little more on when it's a Russian player who is not performing, being called out, uh, getting a tough love because you don't know how they respond to this thing where a lot of the, the North Americans, the Swedes, the Finns, they've grown up with and accustomed to, I'm not saying the Russian isn't it. It's just, it's just a different game. Um, so you, you're always worried about the reaction. And then I sit in and hoping after he gets healthy scratched and he comes back in back on the power play that you're starting to see some of that success because even though he's not, producing the way you'd like him to you see the skill every time he's out there he has to puck on a stick he's spinning he's duking he's driving he's skating he's creating plays he's just not quite getting rewarded to the extent that you'd like him to uh, because he isn't a trickle part of this team and, and he is he's not part, part of the core probably but he's right outside and, and if they need to have any kind of success that they need him to be the player he was last year they don't need him to score 40 goals don't get me wrong but but they need him to be that threat um on a nightly basis that that other teams are look look at the lineup on the whiteboard when you come into the dressing rooms like well kuzminko he's he's got 20 he's got 30 now we, we've got to watch him uh, and not just okay we're going to zone in on on pd and we're going to zone in on on Berser and 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 jt and that's it shut them down and then uh, manage Q, uh, Quinn Hughes a little bit, and, and then we stand a, a good chance. You need a couple of other strings to play on in order to have success, and that's where these players are so important that are just outside the core uh, handful, six, seven players you have, um, and you need their success. You need their uh, their comfort level to be high, their, their um, uh, what do you say, their, their, their confidence in order to, for them to be a threat as well. You know, I know uh, we get asked a lot, uh, or uh, we see this comment a lot coming in from from listeners, and it's, well, Rick Tockett can't ask Andre Kuzmenko to be a player that that he isn't, and you know, be hard on the forecheck and and do those types of things. And I- I'm sure from Rick Tockett's perspective, it's more. Like well, the reason he's not scoring is because he's not doing these things that are a part of what we need as a team for everybody to do. Um, how, how do you view that? Can it be just a a coach and a player don't see eye to eye? Can a coach ask a player to be who he isn't, like who it you know who he can't be essentially? No, he can't, and and you see that all over the league. And where players get away with it is when they're uh, positive. Out, outweighs the negatives here. So if, if Kuzmenko is filling the net right now, uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't be hearing about oh we need Kuzmenko to, to forecheck. It's because he isn't scoring in bunches. It's because he isn't producing like he was last year. Well, okay, then if you're not doing that, well then you better do the other things that that we need in order to win. Because um, you can't be you can't be a negative in this uh, equation here. If you're not adding the pluses in terms of scoring and and assist and all these things, 
well, then you've got to be adding them in, in good on the forecheck, good on the back check, making sure you're not getting scored on. And if you start scoring again, then, then we can start having a different conversation again. But, uh, again, it's very hard um, for a player who aren't accustomed to playing a certain way and have been used to scoring and producing for his entire career probably back in Russia as well, comes over to the NHL and it, it's almost a cakewalk for him. Um, and all of a sudden it's not, and now he's being asked to, to play a style that he probably never have. Um, but again, if you want any kind of longevity, you, you be, better be able to, to adapt to different situations, different coaches, their wants and needs. Otherwise, uh, your career can get cut short real real fast. Pew Shooter was on the ice uh, again and, and trending closer to rejoining the team. I, I've always felt when a player gets injured, it's it's especially a player that was playing well, it's tough for a coach to not just put him back in the same spot where he was having success. And I, I never like players lo- losing their spot because of injury. But we're seeing the, the Bluger, Garland, Joshua line have success. And yes, they had success with Suter there. But his his reintegration into the lineup, where do you want to see him go? He's going to have to bump in on the fourth line. Um, that third line look, look have been looking good for, for the last little while. It's been chipping in points. Uh, driving plays, uh, drawing penalties and these things. So uh, I'd stick with them. And then, you know, the leash is short on, on Bluger right now because now you have two centers that are interchangeable in Suter and, and him. Um, and, and then you're you're just going to look at, at who's going, who, who's who's performing. And if not, then it's a real quick fix and, and a real quick switch because you know the other ones have, have worked well as well. So it, it, it's a good thing to have. They create uh, internal competition if you will but that being said you come back from having been out for three four weeks however long it is uh, your your spot is most likely spoken for until you prove that uh, it's yours again actually while we're talking about a team with good goaltending uh, they announced today the whole uh, Roberto Luongo week and, and the festivities that will happen next week as well uh, but like what was your thought like when when you guys knew you guys had number one back there uh, just in general of, of what kind of statement it was about your team confidence it's the easiest way to put it. You know you can win every game, um, no matter who you're playing against. Almost no matter how we play, um, because they'll they'll keep you. He'll keep you in there, give you a chance to win. Um, and all we need is is a couple. Um, so so that confidence um, when you step into any building or any team that that you have a, a legitimate chance to win, it gives you a, a ton of uh, upsides in the locker room. That's for sure. Did you ever beat him in a in a game of poker? All the time. <laughs> had so many tells, it's not even funny. Uh... Not as good a player as he made himself out to be. All right, we got no, it. No. Uh, Yannick, you're the best. Uh, thanks for this as always. Yeah, take care, guys. Uh, there he is, Yannick Hansen. <laughs> All the time. Took him down. The, uh... The trash talk stays forever. <laughs> forever with that team. Uh, whether it's Kevin Bieksa, whether it's uh, Yannick going back at his ex-teammates, we're going to hear a lot of that with uh, Roberto Luongo going into the Ring of Honor come up next Thursday. Uh, I thought it was interesting on Pew Suter today. Um, now, Coach mentioned that he's probably going to get in a couple of more practices, so he's not really an option for tomorrow night against the Carolina Hurricanes, barring something unexpected. But... Pew Suter slotting back into the Canucks lineup at some point in the next 
week, 10 days, maybe by the end of this homestand next Thursday against the Florida Panthers. And he was asked about the Joshua Bluger Garland line and finished one answer by saying, why break that up? Why break that line up? They're having success. So his thought process is they've scored a couple of goals and they don't give up many chances against Mm -hmm. when they're on the ice. So I kind of wonder what that means for Pew Suter and if all of a sudden he's your fourth line center, if he becomes an option to take a look at in the top six on the wing, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of different options you can take with a, a player like Pew Suter. Yeah, as I was mentioning with Yannick, like when a guy's playing well, because who's who's amazing. Uh, the, the, those... Right before the injury, yeah. he was playing really well. And you're scoring goals, and hey, you're locking down a third-line role here. And, you know, injuries are random, right? Like, you don't know when they're going to happen. It's not like yep. you're trying to get out of the lineup or anything like that. And It didn't even appear to happen in-game for yeah, Suter. You, you, you want to claim your spot again. It's like, look, Coach, I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything wrong to get myself out of the lineup. It's, it's an injury. So... You know, it's interesting that Yannick said, like, he goes back to the fourth line. It's harsh to get demoted for not doing anything wrong. Yeah. So if, if it's a promotion, you're like, hey, Lafferty is probably going to go down. You can go in the top six. Awesome. I'm, I'm with that. It just it feels really harsh to say you got to regain your spot. It's, I was already doing well. Is it is it that harsh, though, if, if Tockett does, you know, play this game of wanting to roll four lines at five on five? Because that's essentially what he's that's done the idea. a lot of the time. Outside of like late and third periods holding a mm-hmm. tight lead, but right now they have a, a void in the top six. Yeah, it, it's it's all well and good, but like, oh, Suter goes onto the fourth line, but you you have a problem in the top six right now. It is, uh, it does make for and and maybe they're trying to see how things shake out, and so it's like, hey, we've got a little bit of extra runway. Mm-hmm. Let's give them a few more practices uh, after being away for pretty much a month after it was a day to day thing. So. Maybe you see how this this plays out, but Nils Oman, I don't imagine that they want to put him on waivers and send him back to Abbotsford. So they're they're going to have a bit of a roster decision once Pew Suter is is able to come off of IR, whether that's putting Phil DiGiuseppe on waivers or um, Linus Carlson, Carlson goes back down, yeah. and then you just you know maybe DiGiuseppe becomes the healthy scratch or however that may be. exempt, right? Yes, I so, believe he's still exempt. Now, so, I, I was talking about, is it entirely? Yeah. Um, it, it could is, be that. Is he ready to, to play a full season back in the AHL, that sort of stuff, long yes. term? It could be a, maybe I'm thinking about going back to Sweden and mm-hmm. playing for a top SHL team, and, and that's going to be my career type of situation. Developing for, for Linus Carlson, I'm not sure, but. Regardless, it's a good thing uh, Pew Suter is coming back. And I think his versatility is actually valuable to the Canucks, especially with the top line not playing so well. Like maybe Pew Suter, because he's played wing and center. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you just throw him on the wing next to Elias Pettersson and, and see if that is something that might have some chemistry. And he's got goal-scoring chops. Yeah. That's the thing. It's yeah. he can, He's a little bit more offensively creative than maybe uh, Sam Lafferty or Ilya Mikheyev is. Or a Teddy Bluger. Although yesterday, that was a nice goal. That was a nice goal. As I said, he uh, <laughs> sent Gustafson into the shadow realm. <laughs> Pretty good move there from uh, from Teddy Blues. And, and by the way, awesome pass from Garland. From Garland. Yeah, I know. It, you know, 
three o'clock onwards sometimes on the station. There's not a lot of Connor Garland praise. <laughs> but that was an awesome pass. Because when you're passing like vertical lines, there's no angle, right? Yes. It's like you just got to take it as it comes to you. You can't react to it. And that's a tough pass. Uh, it was it was pretty good. And Garland, you know, he did have a quality game last night. Drew mm-hmm. a couple of penalties. I know he hasn't scored much this season, and that's... Uh, that's, Much to the chagrin. Yeah, it's a bit of an issue when he's making $5 bucks, and the contract I don't think is ever going to be great. At the same time, he's been a valuable piece for the Canucks in certain ways this year, especially with the way that third line has played and performed. All right, well, we've got lots more to get to. Still a mailbag, uh, plus we'll get into a couple of other things happening with this Canucks roster as we get into the 5 o'clock hour. It's Dan Richo and Bick Nazar on Canuck Central.